How are we doing, guys? My guest today is going to be Nick Page. Nick is a member of the U.S. ski team as a freestyle mobile skier. He's the 2021 FIS Rookie of the Year and the 2021 U.S. National Champion. He got his first World Cup podium this past year, only his second year on the World Cup Tour. In this episode, we go through and discuss Nick's career so far, how he sets his goals, and how he approaches this upcoming season and run towards the Olympics in Beijing. We also go through and discuss who has helped Nick during his career and what continues to drive him each and every day as he looks to the future and continuing to do his best. Also, In the Arena is donating $250 on Nick's behalf to the ID1 Foundation, which funds U.S. mogul athletes in reaching their full potential. I hope you folks enjoy. Thanks. See, there's the ding. That didn't used to exist on Zoom, you know. That's like a new Zoom thing that I'm still getting used to. I remember the first time (laughs) that happened when I was recording one of these. Kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, oh, what is that noise? I'm not ready for that. But anyway, Nick, dude, thanks for uh, for taking the time, man. I know you've been busy uh, grinding all summer. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, my dude. Absolutely. You know, I couldn't couldn't think of a better person to spend my time talking to. So thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. You are a class act all the way around, as usual. <laughs> So how has the uh, how has the summer training been for you so far? You know it's been great. We've uh, we've been really lucky to get as much in as we can, even with kind of some COVID guidelines and COVID restrictions. We're still being able to buckle down and get to work, which is awesome. Yeah. And right now we're spending a lot of time up at the water amps, um, kind of getting to get ready to get back to snow soon, which hopefully will happen um, over the next few months. But yeah, it's going great, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. Now, for for most out there, I mean, are are you you know the water amps can definitely be like the dog days of summer, especially if you're living in a place close to Lake Placid or Park City or in Canada, or you you spend a lot a lot of time at the water amps. So I'm curious for you, like, what helps you break up the monotony and the dog days of summer when you're going in and you're trying to get that volume to kind of build in and and focus in on things, but sometimes yeah. you know that can that can be a little tough. You know, you can kind of uh, be, be a little bit hard to, to break through when you're like, okay, I got another 20 jumps here, 20 jumps there. You know, it, it, it's hard yeah. to break that up a little bit. So I'm curious for you, what, what helps you? Yeah, there? no, that's a great, great point. I think I am, I'm very lucky in the sense that, you know, I've lived here in Park City, you know, 10 minutes from the water ramp my whole life. So this has been really since I was, you know, seven years old, this has just been part of my summer was mm-hmm. You know, this is what I do, and what makes it really easy is how much I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one; it's a great piece of training and something to get better at, and all. But more than anything, it's one of my favorite ways to pass time. Mm-hmm. I mean, just getting out there, trying new tricks, learning something new, and trying to perfect everything that I already do is just—that's so much fun to me. That kind of that strive for perfection mm-hmm. is really one of the things that always keeps me going, um, and keeping kind of in that same that same ritual and routine can really help. And then getting to, you know, mix up and th- go throw a new trick that I've never done before or try something totally, you know, out of left field and new. And that really makes it fun. Um, but also, you know, and as you said, it can get very monotonous. And some of those dog days where you're, you know, the 7 a.m. alarm goes off and it's like, oh, man, do I really want to go today? And you know, I think with those, it's it kind of pings back in, in the back of your mind, like why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to the water ramps every day to be, you know, the best water ramp jumper in the world. There's this 
big goal at the end of the rainbow or at the end of the road that, um, that I'm working towards. And I think even while those days can be hard, knowing that each one of those will eventually pay off to something much bigger than it, mm-hmm. that's something that can kind of keep driving that, that train. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's, that's great to, to have that in the back of the head, have those goals and kind of those vision and, and your plan in mind. And you've definitely, even at a very young age, you know, I was one of those first coaches with you when you were seven. Yeah, yeah uh, the first. Yeah, the first. <laughs> I remember holding on to the life jacket. I think your dad still got video of it, holding on. We do, on yeah. There. Yeah. But, you know, it was always one of those things. There's um, very detail and, and, and the passion and energy. And you always uh, have come to training as long as I've been around you with a smile on your face and just uh, uh, a wanting to learn and, and a fun loving kind of mentality. And where like where does that original passion kind of come in and, and joy of, of sport to go for you? I mean, I know, right, Brian was, yeah. has been a huge influence for you. I mean, I think you watched him, what, win bronze in 2010, and that, yep. that kind of got you – was that one of those big moments in your life? Like, I, this is awesome. I, I kind of want to do this. Absolutely. Yeah, that especially was really what Brian in 2010 kind of kick-started my whole love for, for freestyle and, you know, more or less for skiing mm-hmm. at that point. I think, you know, if we even back it up a little further – when I was younger, you know, I loved, uh, I loved sports in general, like grand weather. I was still, he's trying to find the one that fit for me. What one that I was like die hard that I loved, but you know, I did everything. I, uh, I was a competitive swimmer. I played football and baseball and, you know, I did everything. And I knew there was something down there that I wanted to be in the sports world. You know, I always just loved what it had to offer. I thought there was so much positive energy from it. And then you know, I think through all of those other ones that I was kind of trying out, um, through all those, there was something that was always kind of missing. There was never just like that explosion of like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that same 2010, or I guess 2009, 2010 season, um, I watched Brian win bronze at the Olympics. And, at, you know, at the same time, that's the same year I started with, with Wasatch Freestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh and with that, I think the two of those combined just kind of lit this passion of, you know, this is really what I love doing. This is what I love spending my time at. And from there, I really kind of morphed into something of, you know, then I, you know, I learned how to ski. Then I started to learn more how to compete mm-hmm. and how to, you know, do a whole different side of it. Because it's totally different than just going out and skiing a mogul run when it, when it matters, when you have a, a number on your chest um, and kind of finding that love for it where, you know, it does matter and, it is important um, and trying to be the best at it that I think both of those have kind of, you know, grown at the same pace to what, what it is now and where I just really love it. It's fun. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, I think that that's definitely a, a great perspective to have on it. And it's, and it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of the people that I guess that I've had on and talked to, you know, at that early age, you really need to have that passion and you're still at, at a young age, you know, it's really fun to be able to have you on now and kind of, talk to you when you're at this really exciting place in your career. You know, a lot of the people that I've had on before are, you know, they've finished or they're, you know, um, hit their hit uh, part of their apex and uh, different, different things like that. So it's really fun where you're kind of just tapping into the uh, immense, immense potential and uh, talent that you have. So it's really fun to kind of get you on. I mean, really, 
your second World Cup season, you kind of got cut short. You didn't even really yeah. you know. It's, it's <laughs> interesting. Why? I mean, uh, you know, you're lucky in the fact that you at least got a season off and you got mm. to do a few events, right? But, I mean, it's one of those things where your second year doing a full World Cup tour, even if it's half tour, I mean, you're top 10 in the world. So, I mean, you know, you get your first podium and it's really fun from a distance to see that career and uh, your career so far and just see those stepping stones and your confidence kind of grow from this little seven-year-old yeah. <laughs> now, you know, the soon-to-be uh, monster kind of uh, moving forward. Yeah, well, thank you, Bobby. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, it, it, it's true. But uh, in speaking to kind of kind of that, what was this last year on the World Cup Tour really like for you? Because, I mean, you had your first season i think finished 28th in the world and and you know mm -hmm. a lot of big learning experiences i mean you got 10th at uh, at the home course deer valley uh, under the yeah. lights which is i mean i know you've forerun that course but to actually go in and and compete under the lights with that hometown crowd is definitely a, a different beast <laughs> yeah I, no absolutely and i think um there are so much great kind of a learning and a transition from my first year to my second year on world cup if you think back to that first year I was on in the 2019-2020 season, um, I don't know, I think the best way you could describe it is I shot a lot of air balls. <laughs> and I, I maybe made one basket at, uh, at your Valley, but outside of that, it was, you know, I had the confidence that it was there to, to perform. I was shooting and they was just hitting nothing. Um, which, you know, in a sense, I think really built up my next season for what it could be. Because, mm -hmm. you know, our season was cut short. Um, that 2019-2020 season, we lost our last event in uh, in Sweden. Right. And that event, you know, it's not, not one that anyone ever really thinks about because it never happened. But um, so we had a singles day going that first day. And I was 28th in the world. I needed to be 24th to compete duels the next day in World Cup finals. Okay. And by that time, it was like, it kind of came down to, you know, this is like crunch time because no one wants to be at the World Cup and then have to miss out on World Cup finals because they, they aren't in that top 24. Um, and, you know, I was having struggling – or I was struggling performing, you know, when it mattered leading up to it with kind of an injury that was hindering it, but also just not really feeling myself. Mm -hmm. And and then that event got cut short, and I was, you know, going into that event with the mindset of, like, this is the time to, to make the move. Like, I need to cut my bib by four numbers at a minimum – you know, let's shoot for something that can really throw me up into that position where I feel like I belong here. Mm -hmm. um, so coming from that, you know, that didn't happen. So I was able to carry that same mindset of like, now is the time to get this done. Let, like, let's change something finally. Let's not, you know, just keep shooting air balls. Let's make one hit. Um, sure. And I was able to take that into the whole prep season last year where I was much more not necessarily motivated because there was never a lack of motivation before, yeah. Yeah. but much more focused and intentional on where all of my energy needed to be, which then, you know, it came down to in Ruka last December where it didn't matter again. You know, we were back in the competition gate. I was able to start that little segment of the, the year off with a 10th, a 7th, a and a 3rd, which mm. was, you know, considerably better than what I was coming out with the year before which is pretty cool. It was a nice transition for me to kind of knock all that rust off from what was really my rookie season and kind of my first kind of break into like, you know, the big, the big league, um, if you want to put it that way. But, sure. 
you know, knock all that off and then kind of take those experiences that I learned and understand, you know, this is where, this is where I belong and I can perform here, but it's not just about performing. Like I can, I can go out and throw punches with some of the big guys that are here and be able to manage that, Mm -hmm. which I think that was a big learning piece coming from my first year to my second year. Yeah. And so not only learning like, Hey, because I mean, these are your peers, right? Going into it, mm-hmm. you, know, you have Mick, and I know I've seen pictures of you with Mick when you were eight, nine years old, whatever. Yeah. And you know, and then you're going up against these guys, and you're going up against Brad, and you know, some of these people that you've you've looked up to, um, and now to be going head to head, how big was that growth for you? I mean, how big? I mean, what is that learning experience? Because it's easy to like brush over, like, oh yeah, like I learned mm-hmm. a lot, and you know that helped me you know, I learned to have more intention and be more focused and kind of be more on the ball. But I mean, what were some of those, those kind of moments like in the, in the nitty gritty? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great question. Cause I think there's a lot there that I think happened without me knowing it. And then looking mm-hmm. back on it now, I can totally see, you know, how those kind of things influenced me and impacted me to where I am now. But mm-hmm. in the moment, obviously they aren't things that you're thinking like, you know, yeah, this in a year or two, this is going to make sense. But right now it doesn't mean anything. But it, it was a, a weird experience at first because it was like, you know, I, I was someone I watched every World Cup every year as a, as a kid on Norams and even when I was in regionals. Mm-hmm. Like I was up at, you know, four in the morning live streaming finals and seeing all these guys that, you know, that's my vision of what the best was. Mm-hmm. And then to get dropped in at that, into that little pod in that group at, at only 17 was something that was, you know, it was like jumping in the deep end. Um, I think that's actually about the best way to put it is, you know, there was this group of people that I loved watching because they were the best. And then I was just dropped into it mm-hmm. being one of those people. And half and I kind of think like, well, at first there was still that almost, uh, that bit of a feeling of like you know these are all these are all superstars I'm still looking at them like they're celebrities and they're all these famous guys that I've always been watching without really realizing that I was one of them too now yeah I was still kind of in the position competing against them and being with them where I felt like I was still the little guy looking up at them and they were competing with me watching Mm -hmm. rather than all of us competing together yeah. I think as we moved into the next season, that was kind of a mindset that changed that was like, you know what, I am I am one of these guys up here. Mm-hmm. Like there are kids now watching me. I'm not the one that's, you know, on the TV every morning or on a live stream, whatever. Yeah. Trying to watch these guys because I'm living it. Yeah. And that's kind of the mindset that needs to be there when when you're in the position, you have to be confident that uh, that you do belong there. I think that was something I found definitely my second year um, and kind of toward there were glimpses of it in the first year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but by that second year, I really felt like I was somewhere where I belonged. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's just a, a natural progression that's going to happen. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it absolutely. takes a second for that, for that switch to realize like, Oh yeah, no, I can definitely hang with these guys. And uh, you mm-hmm. certainly do belong. I mean, you had a great, <laughs> season this year top 10 in the world and first podium and things are you know as you said that that different start I mean it's nice to and it's interesting to kind of learn that you know that event that didn't happen kind of carried over you know more of that focus and kind of intention over the summer to to 
really push you along through Ruka and Idra and, and really start that season off yeah. uh, like fantastically. I mean, it was great, great start to the year. And then, I mean, how, how difficult was it in the fact that the year, I, I mean, just of dealing with COVID and having to go through and like, are we going to start today? I mean, I know in Kazakhstan at the end yeah. of the year, you didn't have, you know, you had another race kind of wash out. That was because of weather, but I mean, you had a few different places like Canada that, okay, we're planning on going here up. Oh, this start doesn't matter anymore. This starts not happening anymore. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of those places that kind of just fell off the wayside. How, how hard was that uh, to kind of adjust a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely speaking on behalf of myself, but our whole community, we had to get very, used to living in kind of a liquid and a fluid scheduled world mm -hmm. and our our head coach Macanoza, it drives him crazy because he wants to you know put something on the books and he wants it to stick there right. and we did that so many times last year or you know we were ready to do something and then it was like it fell through and it's like it's not happening like we need to pivot mm -hmm. um which i think was you know really hard um especially on the management side of of our whole sport and they got the people that work behind the scenes not directly on the mobile course getting the places getting us to the places we need to be because you know they were juggling a million things and hoping mm. that some of them would happen sure um which made it really hard and on the athlete side of it we had to kind of come into or i had to come into it with you know kind of a mindset of like right now every single event matters not that not by any means that in a normal full year that there are starts that don't matter everything does but this one it's like you know we maybe get 12 or 13 chances a year to do something and mm -hmm. now we get five yeah so there wasn't the margin of error i should say was much slimmer mm -hmm. um yeah by no means does uh does an event never matter <laughs> they always sure. do yeah, but yeah. um no i know what you mean no but i think that was definitely something that clicked and that focus and intensity had to be dialed up really extremely for all of our events last year. Mm -hmm. Now, so just in the, in the past couple of years, like what are some of those unique kind of habits that you would say you've kind of created and kind of learned that, that have really kind of helped you and, and that you continue to use, whether it's, you know, kind of planning throughout your week or the day to day with your training? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think there, are, there are a lot of things that, um, that go into, you know, making kind of me who I am, not only as a, a person, but also a, um, a skier and a competitor and all. But I think they're something I always try to, um, try to live by is being the hardest worker in every room I'm in. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a big thing that, you know, it's not necessarily a habit of, you know, I do this and this and this, but that overarching kind of fundamental um, quality that I have really goes into everything of, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to be the first one to show up to training and the last one to leave. It might um, doesn't mean I'm, you know, lifting the most in the gym. It doesn't because, but as much as I can do to help myself and know that I'm putting in all the work that I need, mm -hmm. that's really what, um, what I think can make someone really successful. Um, it's kind of understanding their needs, um, and being able to perform on those and do those to the highest, um, the highest degree that they can. Mm -hmm. I think so many times, and I mean, I even saw it a lot in um, in my transition onto the the US ski team, as I was trying to do, I was trying to do things that other people did, 
thinking that just because it helped them, it would also help me. Right. And through that, you know, some of them stuck and it worked, but a lot of them, if they did anything, they actually hurt more than, than anything because it just broke that confidence down and it made everything feel really unnatural, mm-hmm. um, which is hard because I think, you know, you see people doing all these things that look like they're awesome and they're benefiting them. And for that person, I'm sure it does. Yeah. But, uh, but when it comes back to it being me, if that doesn't benefit me, then there's no reason for me to spend the time and energy on trying to get better at something that's going to you know work in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, I mean, it's certainly true. And, it, and it's, I mean, that's, it's, it's fun to hear you learning that process because that can be something that's very difficult, right? I mean, you mm, absolutely, say, especially coming into the ski team, you want to try and do everything that you can and going mm. through and learning like, okay, I got to figure out kind of, of what's best for me and what, what works in the moment. Now, where would you say that, that, uh, work ethic that where, where does that come from? Because I saw it at a super early age. I mean, is that mom and dad <laughs> is that, but I mean, you've always had such, uh, an incredible work ethic and, extremely hard worker. So I'm just curious where, where would you say that that kind of comes from for you? Yeah. Um, it definitely comes from my parents. They're, mm-hmm. you know, the two hardest working individuals, you know, in my opinion on the planet. And I think that's, it's hard to beat growing up with something to look up to like that. Um, there's always, there's always the people you look up to and the people that I've always looked up to in the sense of, you know, people that I want to be like, you know, like my parents, like my coaches, um, there's that really solid, uh, that solid trait that sticks between everyone is that, um, that ability to work, just outwork everyone and work to the, you know, the extent that they know will bring in results. Mm -hmm. And it's not always guaranteed. Sometimes you could work as so hard for something that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and it sucks, but knowing that the harder you work at something, the more likely it is to to happen that's something that really my parents have both taught me and you know a lot of the teachers I grew up with um they kind of you know instilled that that nothing's going to be handed to you nothing's just given um and everything needs to be worked for which Mm -hmm. I think is you know one of one of the traits that makes me um different yeah no absolutely now, I mean, one of those things, I mean, how much does golf help with that for you? Because I know you're, you, you're a big time <laughs> golfer. I know Tiger yeah. is a big idol for you. He's <laughs> someone that you've kind of always looked up to, but I feel like in, in kind of helping with that, with that mental game, because uh, skiing as most sports, you know, that, that mental edge is, is very important. And I mean, golf is almost all mental and absolutely. So I'm curious how much in the golf game and has kind of helped you and in, in watching tiger and some of those other mm. players, you know, I know you got a chance to go watch a practice at the, at the masters earlier this year, Yeah. And how much being around those guys and then kind of seeing that has, has kind of helped you a little bit or what have you taken away from that? There's, there's a lot. And I think, um, you know, I joke that, uh, that I golf to help my skiing, which I think it's absolutely, absolutely true. There's the things that come down to it as just being, you know, trying to execute and consistently execute when it matters. Um, you know, if you can hit, and I'm saying very generally, if you can hit 70 good shots on a golf course, which I don't do, <laughs> I had a, a few more than that. 
Uh, I got to preface that, but um, you know, if you could do something like that and stay consistent a whole, a whole round or a whole, you know, practice session, then you, you bring those same skills and those same traits to something like your water amp day. Mm-hmm. Can you go off and hit 20? Can you go off and execute 20? You know, I'm going to say the word perfect, but I, we got to come back to that. Um, can you go out and execute 20 perfect jumps in a row that you're happy with? Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, the same as playing 18 holes in a row that right. are all good holes. Um, so I think that is one thing that golf's taught me. But then, you know, looking at, at the players on the PGA Tour and at the highest level, um, there's so much to take from them. Tiger especially, I mean. There is like, I mean, you know, you can argue whatever way you want, but he's about the best competitor of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, that's just another gear that he has. And I think if there are things that you can take from that side of the, of a totally different sport, I mean, the, you know, the body mechanics and golf and mogul skiing, you know, they couldn't be much more different. Just a little um, different, just a little yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> but that, uh, that mental side of the sport is, it doesn't change. Um, it doesn't change like, you know, the other, all the other guys on tour that I, you know, like and look up to um, like JT and Rory there. Everything they do mentally is very similar to what I'm working on in the professional side of mogul skiing, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Now um, in, in kind of speaking to that, like working on that mental game and, you, and you've prepped and you've worked your way, what are some of the, the kind of, new takeaways or some of the new things just in the past from winning us nationals, huge confidence boost. I mean, it's your first national title. So you win that kind of propels you into this off season. And what are, what are some of those little mental things that you, you learned just, just from that and kind of going into this, this summer? Yeah, no, I think there are, there are a lot. Cause that, um, that nationals win happened right at the end of the year, you know, we were, I was, totally you know out of gas by that point i was i was ready for a break um the season was long it dragged got dragged out longer and then by the end of nationals it was time to come in like execute when it needed to my goal there was you know i had gotten second place at the nationals before and i wasn't i wasn't walking away with out of that nationals with another silver medal around my neck i um it wasn't something that i was gonna let happen mm-hmm. so to come into that and execute what i wanted to gave a lot of nice, you know, balances to, um, to what happened. Now, I think you know, I went into that event with, uh, with the number one bib, which I've never had before and was able to kind of use that to my advantage. I think of having that be a good piece of confidence, um, a good confidence builder rather than something that's like, you know, I got the number one bib. I need to go perform like I'm the number one skier here. It was, you know, really the exact opposite of like, yeah, you know, I earned this and, I can go out and show everyone why I earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's after nationals, we took a lot out of that. Um, my little, my team and I, and then um, moving into the, you know, taking that into the season, I think there were a lot of uh, little changes we made to kind of how we were going to approach and individualize my own training. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's something that's really important to me. And um, and with that, I think it's, Getting us to the point now where we can replicate and execute really consistently when yeah. it matters. Yeah. And trying to make everything matter. It's not like going out hoping that, you know, eight out of the 10 court 14s I do are good. It's, you know, now we're at the time where 
10 out of 10 is yeah. the goal. And anything mm-hmm. other than that is, is something to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how fun is it to have, I mean, Brian Wilson now, I mean, he coached you before you made the ski team mm-hmm. and now he is with the U.S. ski team as a coach. How fun is that to have him a part of that collaborative process? Because, I mean, he's really – him and Brad have been around, you know, um, almost as long as I have, I guess, but they've been yeah. a little more intimate, I would say for sure. So, I mean, how cool is that to, uh, to have him kind of back and, uh, helping kind of game plan and you guys know each other so well. I mean, that's gotta be awesome yeah. to have that interaction again. Yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable having Brian, um, back as my official coach. I always joke that he's never not been my coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I've been working with him. I mean, I grew up with him even before he coached for Wasat Freestyle. He, mm-hmm. I was really lucky. He took me under his wing and um, I got to train with him mm-hmm. where, yes, he was coaching me, but I, it was also while he was skiing and competing and, you know, the two of us skied alongside each other um, mm-hmm. as he was kind of helping me develop. And, and then through kind of as his transition into uh, from an athlete to a coach happened, he started with Wasat Freestyle and I worked with him there for, what was, uh, I believe, two two seasons. Um, and then, you know, I made the ski team. And there was never, at least for Maya, never a disconnect of my relationship with Brian. Mm-hmm. I always kept him in the loop. And he was always offering me um, feedback and what he thought. Because it was it's just because uh, the jacket that I'm wearing is is different than his. It doesn't mean that, uh, that the information doesn't matter or that he doesn't sure. want me to succeed. Mm-hmm. by any means and I think that's something that he's is really special with him especially is just how you know he coaches every single athlete to be their very best there's never a, a bias or some sort of outside factor that's going to limit that is he mm-hmm. wants every person that he can um touch to to be their very best which is what you know I think a great it comes within a great coach um so having back as my official coach um, is very nice, and having between him and and Matt, I think I've got everyone everyone on my team that that I like to work with, and that's in my trusted little circle is is right there with me, which is really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it is one of those things. Even though you're in this individual sport, it really is a team. It's not just you on your own. I mean, you have S and C. You got your coaches. You have parents. You have different yeah. advisors. And do you have a, a sports psych as well? I don't know. I think um, between you know my um, my coaches and Matt and Brian, and then also my uh, my strength coach Hannah Carney. I think I can take from them all the skills that um that a sports psych would bring to me sure i'm not yeah. necessarily um i don't know if a sports psych would ever be really the best the best piece to my puzzle mm-hmm. um i don't know if it'd ever be the the best thing that would work for me personally sure and but if i can take those skills that a sports psych would offer um from the people that i already have within my my circle that are really trusted mm-hmm. um you know i think we we capitalize on all the things that they have to offer. Right. And they're able to give you the the right information. And clearly those, those things are, are clicking for you. I mean, how did that, <laughs> yeah. how did that first, 
podium world cup podium feel for you i mean standing up there and you know finally finally getting on and pretty quickly i mean you know you had one rookie season and then you were mm -hmm. right back in as we talked so i'm just curious i mean all that work and and there's going to be plenty more but i'm curious yeah. that first ones the first podium's the first podium how to feel pretty good yeah no the first podium felt great and it um it was a nice testament to how much work you know i've put in but also my my team around me put in because mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't just me even though i was the one skiing down the mogul course all of us went into um went into making that happen mm -hmm. and it was a really cool experience too because it you know i remember going up to that super final and it was um it was ben brody myself brad akuma and oscar mm -hmm. allison and we were standing up there and the six of us were in this little pod we weren't necessarily like chatting and talking but there was just this feeling around all of us that you know, all of us wanted each other to go out and ski their very best run. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us were hoping up there that, that someone screwed up. We were all focused on ourselves and wanting to ski our best and wanting everyone to ski well. So then all we could just throw the pieces up and see where they fell, mm -hmm. um, which was a really cool experience because it was something I'd never felt before. There was never that, um, just that little, that feeling. Yeah. Um, which is, was really, really cool. And I think it's something, you know, I've listened to people talk in golf about it, but it's very similar there too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, actually, I listened to a, a podcast yesterday that Rory was in um, talking about, you know, golf's a game of, of yourself, the course. So, yeah, you're, you know, you're competing against the course and yourself. Right. Which really, in a sense, isn't too much different from what we're doing. No, you know, we're not. trying to ski our absolute best run against this course, against ourselves. And while other people are doing that, you know, we can't affect any of what they're doing. Sure. So our only, um, you know, the only thing that is on our mind is trying to do our best and, um, and then see where the pieces fall, which is really cool. Something that, you know, ties us back into, into something similar to that golfing mentality, but it's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think that that very cool to be able to hear and, and speak to those unique experiences that you kind of build and it, it's one of those cool environments that many people don't know, right? And it's cool to listen to you talk about it and the fact that it's it's just that feeling, right? Everyone's trying to build mm -hmm. it, you know, everyone wants to see everybody else's best shot. They don't want everyone to fall or, you know, uh, slice balls left and right. They want everyone's yeah. best game and they want to beat their best game. So I think that that's, that's really cool and uh, definitely sounds like a, you'll, you'll have more of those experiences as well in the future. <laughs> now, um, one of the things I, I was just curious about for you when it goes into kind of planning and, and building out um, summer scheduling or winter scheduling, and I know as we touched on earlier, you're very detailed. Like, do you go through and do you kind of have your your week planned out or are you, like, uh, are you a month planner? Because some people will go through and they'll have one thing they want to get done each day or some people are very detailed and mapping out an entire week. Some people are detailed and mapping out an entire month. And I know with skiing and as those goals go, it, it can change from, obviously you have your season goals and, and things of that nature. But I'm just curious when you're going through your training and, and things like that, how do you kind of like to tackle those, uh, those goals or what you want to accomplish? Yeah, no, that's, um, that's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in, in that sense of putting it to something like the calendar year. Mm -hmm. um because i think our our schedules can be so unique in the fact that like but 
Um, okay. So I had a two week, a two week ramping camp that I'm, um, finishing up right now. Um, and then a little bit of a break before we go to snow. And in my mind, I'm not seeing it necessarily as, uh, as, you know, Monday to Friday or a week or a month, I'm seeing it as two weeks to accomplish the goal of this ramping camp, um, which is, you know, executing everything, keeping everything dialed up and where it needs to be to take to snow, um, and then being able to finish that and work really hard in the gym until it's time to get back to snow. Mm -hmm. Um, so there isn't necessarily a time focus on it. I have, uh, you know, I've read a quote or I was in a book before that, um, talked about, you know, we're trying to manage my focus, not necessarily my time, yeah. which I think is really important because, um, you know, we, that's something we can control, you know, mm -hmm. you can't control how much time you have to do something, but if, you know, the start, you start at point A and you say, you know, I'm not done until I accomplish it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus as much as I need to, to finish that as fast as I can. Yeah. It's not going to be letting, not letting that drag out into a, into something that needs to be longer or maybe even shorter if you're not uh, paying as much attention as you should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I like the, uh, I like the quote and uh, you know, man. Yeah. I think it was, uh, who was this by Tim Grover. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think that that's, uh, that's definitely a good one. I'm curious what other, you know, uh, podcasts are you, do you kind of listen to and, and things of that, that kind of, help with that. I mean, I feel, I'm sure golf is one of those that really has to really help because it is such a mental game as we, as we touched on earlier and to kind of, yeah. I think it's nice when you're able to get the long form rather than like a cut, like two minute clip or something like that. Yeah. And actually hear Rory go in and explain kind of his approach and his, because I mean that for those guys, I mean, it's, it's similar to skiing and the fact that having that same routine can, can really make a big difference. Absolutely. No, I think, um, you know, I'm actually, I'm just kind of starting to get into, um, into podcasts now. I've never, um, I, it's always been something that I, I've gone to podcasts when I start getting annoyed by the music I'm listening to just cause I've heard it so much. Um, uh, it gives me a break, but I think there's so much great content to, um, to pull stuff from my, uh, I'm, I think I'm watching the last dance right now for the fifth time. Um, okay. cause I think there's so much value and so much information I can take just as a competitor from mm -hmm. that. Um, so, you know, I know you talked about the golfers, but, uh, you know, people like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant are some of the biggest people I've looked up to on sure. that work ethic, on how to compete and how to, you know, get to really where we want to be. And, you know, everyone wants to win in some way. Um, yeah. And how can you do that? in a way like, like what winners do. Um, and I think taking the, the skills and kind of seeing what they do and, and how that works, um, because they've done it, you know, it's, yeah. it's easy for, it's easy for someone to say all these things, like you got to do X, Y, and Z to, to be successful. But, you know, then you kind of hear that person say it and you're like, well, like you're telling me to do all this stuff, but you haven't done it yourself. Mm -hmm. Like there's a great quote in the last dance where, you know, MJ says, you know, I've never asked any of my teammates to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself or that I haven't done myself. Right. And that's what really kind of hits home is like, you know, everything that all this knowledge that I'm pulling from them, they've all done it. So it mm -hmm. works. It's not, you know, barking up a, the wrong tree Sure. because this path does lead to something that works and it is something really important. So there's a ton of, of knowledge and, um, 
kind of just information I pulled from them that's really helped. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Jordan, uh, that documentary is, uh, or the docu-series, I guess it is, is just yeah. awesome. That was, yeah. That came out at a great time too, during, right? You know, they released it, it early during the pandemic and that was like unbelievable. I It was funny growing up a Bulls fan in Utah because I was such a big Jordan fan. You know, I had a yeah. lot of people giving me, you know, death yeah. stares and stuff like that <laughs> when we'd be walking around in Park City and I would have, you know, a, a Jordan jersey on or something yeah, like that. Yeah, especially everybody... like 97, 98. Man. Right, <laughs> right, around then. So, you know, coming coming from New York and then repping the the Jordan stuff, it was uh, definitely getting a lot of <laughs> a lot of weird looks from people. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. understanding, sure. like, wow, Jordan, Jordan's the man. Like, what's the, yeah. what's not to like? <laughs> so and kind of speaking to that who are who are some of those other people that have really kind of helped you along the way in your career you know we've touched a little bit on tiger your mm -hmm. parents brian like are there, are there a couple others that you can think back on that have really kind of helped uh create the monster that is nick page <laughs> yeah no there there absolutely are there are some that list goes goes on and on of the people that have uh um contributed to who I am uh another big name was uh was Michael Phelps I always you know looked up to him as I was younger and really as it was one of kind of my first Olympic memories was watching him in 2008 um I loved that but then you know outside of you know people that I'm just looking up to people that really affected me close like you know face to face and um around where I was was uh the whole organization at Wasatch Freestyle Mm -hmm. you know, Rick Shaner, John O'Brien, I, I can say very confidently, I wouldn't be the person I am without the two of them. Yeah. Um, in the mix, I mean, as a person and as a, as a skier, obviously, but, um, the two of them have really both always taken me under, under some, a special wing where I've always known without a doubt that they've had my back. Yeah. You know, they've always been these leaders that I had 100% trust in no matter what the scenario was. And with that, I think we were able to build such a great relationship where they could, uh, you know, they could really kind of foster me into, you know, not only a better skier, not only a better competitor, but a better person. And that's something that Wasatch Freestyle has done so well and really what, what Wasatch Freestyle is all about. Yeah. You know, uh, John has the, a quote in one of his little advertisements, you know, we build great, uh, we, or we've built great doctors, great lawyers. And, you know, and now I think with Gabe Cohen, you can even say great rocket scientists <laughs> um but that's something that wasatch freestyle has really special to them that they mm -hmm. just they build great people mm -hmm. no absolutely and i mean john and shaner known them for a very long time they helped yeah. me a ton in in my career i mean yeah you know absolutely. shaner i got me how to i learned how to jump somehow from rick shaner <laughs> if he can get me to jump somehow <laughs> against all odds i mean shaner is a genius clearly <laughs> no but those guys are great they've done a great job and uh they continue to 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 do uh to do that you know it's fun being out at the ramps and and interacting not only with you up there but just seeing mm. shaner and john and those guys kind of uh up up in their element um yeah you know it's 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 one of those things that you get you you see it in all sports, but you know when it's your sport and you really get to see those coaches that care at a very in depth level and yeah mm. um, really want uh, to get the most you know and and Brian's that same way and getting the Absolutely. most out of each yeah. and every athlete and really truly caring um, clearly not in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> 
someday someday we're gonna change that (laughs) so um kind of what what are some of those next steps for for the rest of the of the fall you know as you touched on a little bit earlier going to be a little bit of a of a fluid situation hopefully um get over and get some get some fall training in and then uh what ruka is going to be your first uh first stop of the year right yep ruka will be the start um yeah the plans to um continue water ramping here the rest of this week um and a little bit in september then you know we'll get off to snow later in the fall um see what we can do there and um by then you know get back home get healthy get you know as prepared as we can in the gym you know me and um, my strength coach Hannah have joked that you know we're building all of this up in the prep season so then once the season starts we can lose <laughs> yeah we can lose as little as possible right. that's the goal yeah. so from the, from you know when we go over to snow to compete to the end of the year we're trying to just maintain mm-hmm. um, yeah. but right now we're trying to get strong we're trying to you know just do everything we can to be ready when uh when the starter in Ruka counts down three two one mm-hmm. um yeah, and then by Ruka, it's, it's go time where, you know, in the swing of things, getting back in a bib, which I can't can't wait for. It's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Ruka has to hold a little bit of a special place. I mean, you're the first American to throw uh, Cork 14 there. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my first be... World Cup was there. It's uh, it's a very special place. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, uh, and it's pretty exciting. And uh, so I set for 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 Beijing coming up, I mean, do you have any expectations or plans for, for what that experience might be like? Uh, I mean, obviously you got to build and continue to train and everything else, but Mm. I mean, as a former athlete, you always have those goals and those visions of, of where you want to be and what you want to do. And to have Brian, who's kind of been there, done that before to, to kind of help you along and, and coach Ganoza as well. They've been, you know, been to the Olympics and, and seen all that and, um, how much does that kind of excite you for the next, you know, winter coming up here? It'll be your first, first crack at potentially yeah. making an Olympics and, and getting to go through that experience. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. Um, very excited to say the least. And it's all, it's all there are, obviously there's lots of nerves that go into it, but they're all good nerves. They're mm-hmm. nerves of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get to this point so I can showcase what I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there is a, a, a heavy qualifying process that we're going to have to go through, but I can, you know, I like to think I'm very capable of getting to where I want to be um, during that time. And then by that point, it's, you know, let's go off and, you know, show off the fireworks, show everything that I've done to get here mm-hmm. to, to let this be really exciting. And I've, you know, I've got so many great people around me kind of helping me um with that because you know hannah's been in the same position she went to three olympics and mm-hmm. came out of two of those with medals brian went to an olympics came out of it with medals matt you know has been head coach of an olympics and attended more than one so there's so much knowledge to pull from all of them because they've lived it and they've been in that experience and they can really help kind of guide me down the right uh the right path to get there as well mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm excited to uh, to watch and and see what happens, my man. I, I appreciate you yeah, uh, you, you taking the time. And what charity are we uh, are, are is in the arena going to be donating to? In the arena, where are we putting it? I think it, the best spot I can think of is the ID One Foundation, um, which 
you know, I've been a part of and a supporter of absolutely. Um, but you know, their goal is to help kind of take that financial, take some of the financial burden off, um, off of athletes trying to be their very best. Um, as it started, it was, um, when the U S ski team was, was unfunded. So they were just, we were trying to, you know, get funding and get opportunities really, um, to the best athletes in the, in the country. So they could go out and perform at the highest level. And now that, you know, that's transitioned on and, my ski team is funded in a different way where, you know, we're not as stressed for, for those means, um, at the highest level that now the ID one foundation can really help grow the next generation, mm -hmm. the kind of that tier under the U S ski team yeah. and getting them, you know, paying for the entry fee to nationals and helping out with grants and all these little scholarship opportunities that make such a big difference. Yeah. Cause while it doesn't just, uh, well, it doesn't just help you and your family, obviously with, the financial side of it it gives you a great organization and a great group of people in your corner that you always know are supporting you mm -hmm. because you know the id1 foundation was built because everyone wants to see the best you know mm -hmm. we want every kid to have the opportunity to be their best mm -hmm. and if we can help alleviate any of the things that might take away from that it's something that that's very special yeah to, um, absolutely. to the foundation and appreciative that uh that you donate to them and absolutely. that i could be the one to pick so thanks bobby yeah, yeah absolutely and thanks for uh thanks for coming on my man i really do appreciate it good luck with the rest of uh summer training and i uh, look forward to seeing you later uh this fall thank you bobby it's been great talking to you i appreciate it yeah of course all right thanks everybody okay. bye hey everybody i hope you enjoyed today's episode please make sure to like share and subscribe and if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks.